Good morning. Well, great to uh, see you here today, and especially if you're visiting because of the baptisms. Um, it really is uh, great to have people being baptized. We have um, 15 people being baptized through the day, right across every meeting and every site. So it's uh, fantastic. Um, we start a new series called Follow Me. Looking forward to opening it up uh, this morning. But before I do that, I just want to thank the church for the, the celebration of uh, 20 years of Deb and I being here and leading the church, which we did two weekends ago. And when we, this was originally suggested, I thought, oh, I'm not sure I want to do this. I don't want all the focus on me and things like that. And then I thought about it. It's not about you, Steve, you dope. It's about God. It's about what God has done in our midst. And I hope that as you enjoyed the weekend, that uh, you were grateful that God is doing in our midst. Uh, we got home on the Sunday evening. We were, I was like happy and tired. On the Saturday afternoon, we'd hosted a tea for people who had been in the church, who still attended the church, that were here when we arrived 20 years ago. So these are people that have survived 20 years of my leadership. And there were about 70 or 80 people there. It was a fun afternoon and we told some stories of the journey. And then obviously we had the day. And then we got home and we sat down in our kitchen. And in the evening we'd been given some flowers, some flowers and some, a little presentation. We sat down, there was two gifts and we thought we'd just open them up. I said, let's get some cheese and biscuits out. And we sat down and we opened up the first one. And I thought this was a book and it is a book, uh, but it wasn't what I was expecting. And it was actually a picture album of the 20 years. So it started with a picture of Deb and I when we arrived. And then it went through year after year. And it's just remarkable sort of picture history. Had all the major prophetic words. And it was, oh, it was really moving. There wasn't a dry eye in the house. Well, mine were because I'm a man. I'm tough. So I want you to know that. You know? I just want you guys to know I'm tough, mate. And, uh, and then what we did was we opened um, a, a, another box, which you'd all so faithfully... Uh, written cards in. I know a number of you that did this. And Deb and I have read, every, I've read them. I've read them more. I've read them probably at least twice. And uh, thank you for doing that. That was a, lo- a brilliant creative idea. And also so many kind words. I thought I'd just read one or two to you. Um, uh, thank you for your leadership vision and practical application of a way to follow Christ that you and your team carefully set out each year. Thank you for creating an environment that is welcoming to all. Thank you for creating a, a church that is relevant to the local community. I thought that's, that's a great summary of the type of church I would want us to be. Thank you for supporting me through the most challenging part of my life. Wow. Thank you for your obedient heart and visionary nature. I thought, oh yeah, I like that visionary. And then... Uh, <laughs> I've found community, freedom, and grace here. I've uh, been coming constantly to King's Church for about three or four years now. I enjoy the worship and teachings. Thank you for being a real person as well as a pastor. So I thought, I think that's a good thing, by the way, okay? Um, 
Uh, thank you for building a church that made me feel welcome. Lots of about openness, humor, vision, welcome. And then this one. I mean, it was, it was a moving, it was moving to read these cards. And, and then you pick out the card and you go to the next one. It says, thank you for your vision and helping me support Crystal Palace. actually written on the card, okay? Thank you for your vision and helping me support Crystal Palace. That's the type of church we're building. If you're visiting, if you're visiting, I want you to know we're really committed here. And uh, yeah, okay. Okay. We better get to the Bible quickly now. Uh, Whenever I'm preaching, I see if I've preached the passage before. So I wonder whether there might be something in there that I could use again. So on this occasion, we've been discussing this series uh, for a number of uh, weeks, on and off, over a couple of months. And uh, I thought, uh, after lots of discussion, we spent hours pulling this sort of eight, nine week series together. We landed on the title, Follow Me. And I thought, oh, I, I remember preaching out of Mark's gospel, Mark's beginning of Mark's gospel, and Jesus says, come follow me. So I thought, I'll preach, I'll launch the series out of that passage. And I went back and I discovered that I actually, the last time I preached this passage was 20 years ago, and it was three Sundays in to leading this church. And so that is, you can just see it there, 15th of the 9th, 95, and then I've got something about Rosemary, which I guess is about Rosalie Stapley, who was serving God in India at that time. And so that's it. And I got it out and I went through it. I thought it wasn't too bad, actually. I thought I could just roll it out again. I thought, but no, I didn't do that. Um, and then I thought, well, actually, that's not too bad. And I thought, well, obviously I haven't improved much over 20 years. That was the other thought I thought, because uh, I thought, well, I could have written that today. Uh, and uh, at the end, it landed, the message 20 years ago landed with two phrases. It says, I want to build a church that has more disciples and more mature disciples. That is what uh, we um, set out just 20 years ago. And we want more people to follow Jesus. And we want more people to go deeper and really put Jesus uh, right at the center of their life. Not just bolt him on, but we would be followers of Jesus Christ. And I thought, well, 20 years on, that's what we're preaching, still preaching here, that we want to be a church that gives opportunity for people to find Jesus, to be real, and also not just a saviour, but also king, boss, lord of our lives. And so, in some ways, the message carries on 20 years. Uh, It's great that uh, uh, we can gather and hear God's words together, Uh, this morning and let's turn to it Uh, and I'm going to read from Mark 1 and uh, I'll read it uh, and you follow on the screen. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And as Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon And his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. 
Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hard men and followed him. I want to ask the question this morning, who are you following? Who do you follow? Who's the person or, or, or a group of people that influence you? Um, we all follow things. Maybe you follow music you're, you're into, you've a particular genre of music. Maybe it's uh, U2 or Police, which is kind of, kind of my kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Or this uh, hip, hip rap. That's it. I got it. I mean, I'm culturally relevant as your past, and I. That, I don't know. What do you follow? And because actually, sometimes when you follow music, it's very much connected to your identity. You kind of it gets round. That's you know your music. You find identity in music. Maybe you find identity in fashion. Yeah. So what you wear communicates something about about yourself. So you follow fashion. You just want to be, I mean, you are, you look good. Yeah? And you think about it, and it gives you identity. It gives you value, maybe. I feel good in this. That's okay. That's fine. Maybe you follow sports. As we've heard, I follow Crystal Palace. Who do you follow? Uh, maybe you follow politics, and you think, actually, politics is really where it's at, and you're interested in what's happening in the Labour Party, and you're wondering where that's going to go, and you're following that. Maybe you follow me on my Twitter account. There's an idea. Um, who do you follow? Who are you building your life around? Because Jesus says, come, follow me. Jesus says, come, follow me. And he makes that appeal, that like exhortation to you in the context of the overarching theme of his ministry, which we read. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. John the Baptist's ministry has uh, been fulfilled. It's completed. He's prepared the way for the Messiah, the coming king, the, the anointed one. And Jesus announces the beginning of his short public ministry. I mean, it's just three years. A 30-year-old, three years. He's going to announce something that is going to literally... Uh, transform the world as we know it. It's going to run through to all nations and across generation after generation. He stands up as a 30-year-old in a little uh, nation in the Middle East and he proclaims, the time has come. The kingdom is near. Repent and believe the good news. Just after his baptism, he stands up and says this. And God makes his move. God makes his move. God takes on flesh. The time has come. As Galatians 4 would put it, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman. And Jesus stands up and announces. It's like his manifesto. It's like this is his campaign. This is the big idea. The overarching concept captured in the phrase, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here. The reign of God is breaking in into history and into people's lives. 
It's not actually, as the Jews were expecting, a kingdom which would get rid of the Romans and secure their borders. No, this is, this is a message that will change people's hearts. This is a message of mercy and forgiveness. This is good news. Repent and put your trust in Jesus, and he will do an internal transformation. And over the next couple of years, he preaches the kingdom. Now, the hearers don't get it. Uh, He tells stories and parables and sayings about the kingdom. He shows the kingdom is coming through signs and wonders. He teaches on prayer and says, Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he describes the kingdom to them. And he announces like a, a new exodus. He says, look, there's a new exodus. We're going to break out of slavery and, uh, uh, and the bondage of sin. We're going to break into freedom. There's a new exodus which resonates with the people of Israel because of their journey under the leadership of Moses, that there's a, a kind of new way to live. There's, a, there's freedom from slavery and sin. It's like an announcement of a return from exile. We were once far from God, but we're restored. Uh, and so it resonates with Old Testament promise. It's like the fulfillment of it, but the hearers are confused because they come with an expectation which is very different. And very often you can come with an expectation of what God and Jesus is like. And I would just say, if you're not sure who the person is, it will take some time to look at him. Do the Alpha course. Find out about it. Don't just take your kind of impression because this is what the Jewish leaders of the day did. They had a certain expectation of who this Jesus person was and what he would do. They would expect he would come in the line of David, which Jesus did. But with that came a whole expectation of certain things that would be fulfilled, just like David did. First, you get rid of the occupying forces, the Romans. You kick them out. Okay, but he says, you know, pay Pay taxes unto Caesar as well? Wait a minute, I I thought he was going to get rid of the Romans. No, so the Pharisees and the hearers are concerned. And uh, he he says things that people are not expecting. They expect him to uh, secure the land. And especially they expect him to actually reestablish the temple. Because for the Jews, the temple was where the presence of God was. So if God was on the earth, if God was ruling, if God was king, then... Uh, right in the temple, that's where God's presence would be. So for the, to the Jewish hearers, they're expecting Romans out and they're expecting the temple to become central because that's where heaven touches earth. And Jesus, well, he really confounds them because he has a view on the temple which is very, very different. In fact, it's outrageous to the original hearers. John's gospel puts it this way. Uh, You know the story when Jesus goes into the temple and he clears it out. Because what had happened is over time, this had become a business enterprise. I mean, if you want to make sacrifice, what you had to do is take your money and you had to trade it into sort of like temple currency. And there was just a little bit of commission. Yeah, it was just a little bit of a... Bit of a little levy on top. And so people would go in to make sacrifice. They'd have to buy a dove, get the money changed, go over, pay a little bit extra, and then make that sacrifice. And Jesus, he says, ah, this is what he says. John 2 puts it like this. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. I mean, no meek and mild Jesus here. Sometimes we have this view of Jesus. Oh, he's just lovely, lovely Jesus. He's come and save me. Oh, man, he is tough. 
And he comes in, he speaks to the powers. I mean, what he's doing, he's going to put himself up against the Jewish leaders and the Roman occupiers. That's where this is going. Ultimately, in a sense, like in human history, that means they're going to kill him. Of course, in God's sovereign plan, that was all part of the, the purpose. Because as he goes on to say, stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. And the Jews responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do this? Because he's challenging God's, it's kind of where God dwells. So who are you to come in and tell us we're not doing it right in the temple? And Jesus answered them, I'll destroy this temple and I'll raise it again in three days. And they replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he has spoken about was his body. See, what Jesus came, not only announcing the kingdom as a new king in town, he actually came and said, hey man, there's a new temple in town. This is a walking temple. I now carry God's presence. I'm God. I'm the God man. And so I made it confounding them and they are annoyed and they plotted in scheme to get rid of him. Of course, he's threatening the Romans because the Romans at that time, their emperors have started to say, I'm a God. Caesar, I'm a God. This would cause huge pressure for Christians in the New Testament where they would have to choose which God to follow. Do I follow the Roman emperor or do I follow Jesus? And many died. You, you know, many died because they chose to follow Jesus. Now, this is not just kind of biblical narrative here. We see this in the world we live in today, yeah? where people are running, yes, for war, but they're running for their lives because if they were put in a situation where they had to choose, do I bow my name to this God or to Jesus. And uh, I mean, following Jesus is, when Jesus says, follow me, yeah, it comes with grace, it comes with forgiveness, it comes with the promise of eternal life, it comes with the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's a radical thing to do. I mean, I don't know about you, sometimes I wake up on a Sunday morning and I think, oh, right, yeah, I'm going to church today. Yeah? Do you ever do that? You say, oh, I've got a lot on. Okay. Yeah? And, and, and our decisions are like, I've, I've got a lot on. I mean, what Jesus was proclaiming to follow Jesus was a radical thing to do. Tom Wright, in his excellent book, Simply Jesus, says, The campaign, you see, isn't about someone running for office as happens in our modern democracies. Jesus isn't going around trying to drum up support like today's politicians. He's more like a rebel leader within a modern tinnery, setting up an alternative government establishing his role, making things in a new way. I mean, to follow Jesus, I mean, it was a radical thing. And it should still be a radical thing. Um, I Actually, I, 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 there's a part of me that I think in all of us who want to be a bit of a rebel, yeah? Have you ever thought about it? I want to be a bit of a rebel. Or if you want to be a rebel, you sign up to follow Jesus. Because I tell you, the world, the, the world's got different values. It's got differing ways. And you're going to follow Christ. That's what he, he, he said. Look, there's a kingdom. There's a new king. In fact, he's going to be king of the Jews. And uh, he's going to be our king. King of kings and lord of lords. And to follow him is a big thing. Now, this kingdom of God message was huge. I mean, actually, when Luke wrote the book of Acts, he decided, I'm going to top and tail the whole of the book of Acts with the theme of the kingdom of God. So I'm thinking, well, I'm going to, he's sitting down, I'm going to write about the first, going to, as a historian, the first 30 years of 
this new faith, the Christian church. And he wrote in Acts 1, after his suffering, he presented himself to them, this is Jesus, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And then Paul, under house arrest in Rome, uh, it says at the end of Acts, Acts finishes like that. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I mean, uh, the Jews didn't understand it. Uh, but Jesus was proclaiming this remarkable new, new idea, this big idea of salvation history, that God has come and that in God there is salvation. In fact, there will be a sacrifice. Not only is Jesus the new temple, but he's also the once and for all sacrifice. This is the good news. The kingdom is coming. There is mercy and there is grace. There's forgiveness for sin. You can be connected with uh, 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 between God and heaven in Christ. And actually, more than that, you don't actually just get saved. You become a living stone and we become the temple of God. And sometimes you talk to Christians and say, well, the, the presence was there today. You ever heard that? Oh, it's real well, presence. I, I kind of get that. So there are moments where you think of encounter. But I tell you, whenever we gather as believers, the presence of God is there because we're now living stones and we come full of God's spirit. Now, another thing just to say about the kingdom important is there's a tension in the kingdom. It's called the now and the not yet. So there's a kingdom breaking in and people are getting saved, but not everyone's getting saved. Have you noticed that? Uh, Some people get saved, some don't. The kingdom's coming. You pray for some people. Some people get healed and some don't. Yeah. And you see unrighteous men seeming to do well and righteous men struggling and you think, what is it? And then life throws up challenges and you live with pain and suffering and you go, but I thought the kingdom was coming, Pastor. Well, it is, but it's coming. It is, there's a now and a not yet. Now, there are those that want more of the, uh, the not yet. They want, in a sense, they put it like this, heaven is there and we can just touch it. Yeah? And I definitely would like to see more healing and more salvation and more mercy and more justice. Uh, but you can slip into what the scholars call over-realized eschatology. You didn't know I could pronounce those two words, did Which is basically means too much of the future now. And it's a tension, because we all want more. But there is, there is a more when he comes back, or we go to be with him. And the Bible says there'll be no tears and no pain and no suffering. Yeah? Hallelujah. What a day. And your body won't ache so much because you'll be given a brand new one. And you'll be raised, and you'll be like, yeah, yeah? You're not going to be raised with a sort of floaty, ghosty thing. You have a body, yeah? But why? Because there is a man raised, yeah? His name is Jesus, and he is the first born from among the dead. And he has come, and the fact that he's raised and then he is gone, he's seated in heaven and says that we will be with him. And so you have to live with the tension of the now and the not yet. And Jesus says, come Follow me. In this context of declaring this new kingdom, this new reign, this uh, new way of salvation, and also this new way to live, he says, come, follow me. Hey, there's a new king in town. And as he spoke to the first disciples, he speaks to us. He says, look, there's a king in town. It's Jesus. Come, follow me. And if you want to be reconciled with God, you've got to follow Jesus. But it's more than that. I don't only want to reconcile you to the Father. I want to become your king. 
I want to be boss of your life. That's why baptism is a great example of the Lordship of Christ. It's saying publicly, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you central. It's not just like a, an added on. I mean, no, Jesus is Lord. Actually, later on in a few moments' time, I'm going to give a number of you here an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Maybe for the first time to say, yeah, I'm going to make you king. I'm going to receive this good news. Or, actually, you're a believer here and you've never got baptized for whatever reason. And you just say, I've got, I've got to do it. I, I'm going to follow him. Follow me, Jesus says. Um, this series, which we've called Follow Me, is going to look at some really interesting and challenging topics. Uh, I, I'm quite excited about it. Uh, and it's really a discipleship series, but it will work well for people that are seeking and also those who are us on a journey trying to make Jesus king. And this week I've opened it up. And then next week we're going to ask this question. Bible or culture? We're going to write, okay, when it comes to what we're following, are we following the Bible or are we following culture? Do you, do you know, I like to be liked. Yeah? I don't like to be the odd person. I want, to be, I want everyone to respect me and like me. And I want to avoid conflict as much as anyone. Okay, but am I going to follow the culture or am I going to follow the Bible? And at what point is something Bible and what point is cultural neutral and when isn't it? Because actually some of the subjects we're going to look at is going to pose that question. Do we go with our culture? Do we go with a message of tolerance? Does tolerance trump everything? Uh, what about this, what the scripture says? The following week we're going to ask the question, Savior and Lord. Uh, Tom Wright in his book, Simply Jesus Says, um, we want someone to save our souls, not rule our world. Uh, so think about that. And we all want forgiveness. Oh, thanks, Jesus, you saved me. I'm forgiven, I'm going to heaven, things like that. Oh, you want to have some say on what I do with my life now? Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. I'm, I'm Savior and Lord. I'm Savior and King. Oh, can't I just get saved and carry on living this way? Well, no. I love you. I love you so much. I want you to line up with my ways. Yeah? And uh, actually, the book, Simply Jesus, great book by uh, Tom Wright. If you want to have something that gets the old grey matter going a bit, it's a good book. Some of you read it and say, grey matter? I just skim read this. It just goes straight in. I process it and move on. But uh, something for some thinkers, possibly. And so that's going to be foundation. The, the series is going to start with the challenge of the kingdom of God and put Jesus central and Lord of your life and King of your life. It's then going to ask the question, Bible and culture, and then it's going to ask Savior and Lord. Um, and then we're going to look at a series of topical and challenging subject matters. So I'm going to come back in and I'm going to speak on single and satisfied. Okay? And... Uh, just look about the, 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 the challenges of following Christ as a single person. And can I have a fulfilled life? Uh, how much sacrifice there is there, pastor, things like that. Then the next week, we're going to look at the whole issue of gender. We're going to say, is there, is there male and female? Because our culture wants to blend the two. It's that saying equality has gone to the point of, you know, issues of sexuality and gender. And it's just like, is it all fluid? Uh, does it really matter? Is it something that is distinctively male and distinctively female? These subjects, when I've taught on them in the past, stir deep emotions in people. Really like, whoa. 
we get some fun emails into the office when we get into this stuff because we're really touching some big issues. Of that, we're then going to look at the issue of, so we're going to, uh, after genders, we're going to look at the issue of marriage and why do people cohabit and, and you know, people now just kind of sleep around, you know, like, you know, Tinder. So, you know, if you want to pick someone up, I mean, you probably are, but I mean, so I've heard, okay, you know, you know, you know you, you, you're in a bar and you think, oh yeah, I'll just hook up, this kind of hook up. And what does the scripture say about that? And then from that, we're going to build and look at the whole issue of same-sex attraction. Oh man, we're going in the deep end, yeah, okay, we're going to look at what the Bible says, so it will challenge our culture. And then we're going to look at the issue of life and death. I'm going to speak on the issue of sanctity of life. Because we live in a culture that, uh, because of pro-choice, supports abortion. And also, you know, it went through our parliament, didn't pass, but the, the movement on the issue of euthanasia. I'm going to look at those two issues, the beginning and the end of life. And what's a, a Christian perspective on that? What's a God perspective on that? We're then going to go and look at the issue of ageism. So these are kind of, they're they're supposed to progress through. We regularly speak on parenting in this church. It's really important to equip parents to uh, raise uh, children. But there's a massive pastoral thing that's coming all our way, which is the care of elderly parents and the issues of dementia. And uh, I was speaking to someone earlier that it was their 60th birthday and they had to go to the doctor. And the first question the nurse asked, let's see, the doctor and the nurse, the first question the nurse asked was, can you count from 10 backwards down to one? I was thinking, wow, man, I'd struggle to do that now. You know, I was thinking 10, 9, uh, I'm a dyslexic, so numbers and figures get mixed up, uh, and letters even, get mixed up all the time. So I thought, why, why, because it's just checking. Yeah, checking. Huge, huge issue. For some of you in the room, this is not just, actually some of these issues, they're not just theoretical. They're deeply personal. And you've got a whole range of stuff going on. And you've got some theoretical questions and you do want to follow Jesus and you want to see what the Bible says and you hear it says that in one question and that another question and you think, what is it? But actually, a lot of it is driven by what's going on in here and we've just got to be careful we don't project what's going on in here into Scripture. Yeah? So, we're going to look at, anyway, the pastoral issue of of caring for elderly parents will be an aspect of that. And now I'm going to swing back in and I'm going to speak on follow me. Yeah. Jesus said come and see, but he also said come and die. And that will be about picking up your cross. I think I'll probably do it out of pick up your cross and follow me. I mean, that's a feel-good message. Yeah, that's just really kind of, yeah, oh, great. Oh, I look forward to coming to that one. That will make me feel really great about myself. It's not about you. Yeah? It's about following him. Yeah? And... Uh, so I'm really excited about this series. I think it's going to be really relevant and I hope uh, I've, I've served this world by pulling it together and also introducing it and it'll make you think, oh, I'm going to be there next week because I'll be interested. I'm grappling with that issue personally and I'll be fascinated how we handle that as a church. Then lastly and quickly, Jesus doesn't finish there. He says, like, here's the kingdom. Repent, the good news is here. And he says, come, follow me. And he says, I'm going to make you fisher of, of men, of people. 
It reminds me of my baptism. I had led uh, the youth group before I became a Christian. Before I became a Christian, I led the youth group at my church to resist the gospel intentionally. I, I, wherever I go, I've realized now I just lead. So when they were trying to make us become Christians, I said, come on, guys, let's stand against. So we used to go on youth camps, and they'd be teaching us all about Jesus, and I'd have sub-meetings saying, come on, lads, let's hold the line here. We can resist this. Yeah? Okay. And then Jesus got me. Yeah? And I looked at the person Jesus and investigated, like doing Alpha or something like that, for six to nine months. I didn't actually do Alpha myself, uh, but I investigated Christianity. As many of you know, I discovered Jesus to be true, that he really was raised from the dead. And so at my baptism, I stood up, and not only did I tell my story, I proclaimed. I said, look, if you're here and you've never met Jesus, I want to tell you, he's real. I've met him. And my sins have been forgiven and I'm getting baptized because I want to follow him. And I want, I want you, you all should. Yeah, I proclaimed it. And uh, maybe I was just a frustrated preacher, you know, then or something. And uh, in the youth group I was a part of, there's a little mini renewal and revival. And about t- 10 or 12 of us are pastors leading some. Uh, one girl went overseas to serve God, trying to reach people in in the Middle East and uh, in the 1040 window. And it's just a radical move of God. Yeah. Because Jesus is alive and he's calling people like me and you to follow him. So what we're going to do now is, as my time's gone, is uh, I hope you're really going to look forward to this Follow Me series and that it would be a series that would equip us and challenge us to put the King central in our lives.